This Sunday is absolutely one of my highlights of the year. Uh, as a pastor, this is a Sunday that I do look forward to. What I don't look forward to is waiting on FedEx to deliver roses. I order through Sam's, and um, it's interesting because usually about Wednesday they haven't shipped yet, and roses come from Ecuador. Actually, the pink roses came from Colombia this year. Uh, think about this. I mean, this is the craziness of today. These roses were in South America last week at this time. Well, that's pretty crazy. So anyway, for me, I get rather stressed out. Uh, the pink ones came from Colombia, and the red ones came from Ecuador. Uh, anyway, so about Thursday, they were supposed to come, and half of them showed up, and half of them didn't. But the problem about them showing up is, see, my wife's got a job now. And someone has to wait on them to come. So I sat at my house on Friday waiting for, or Thursday waiting for FedEx to come. They came and they brought half, so I had to sit at my house again on Friday waiting for them to come. So they brought the other half on Friday. Just a stressful time for me because I'm like, if they don't show up or if I miss them when they show up, it really makes this morning kind of hard. Like it's important that they show up and I'm here when they show up or else what I've said was going to happen just doesn't happen. So anyway... Um, Sunday, uh, today is Sunday, uh, just in case you were wondering. Uh, that's information for everyone here. Uh, it's the Sunday before Valentine's Day, guys, just in case. Girls, just in case. Um, it's the 12th, I think, and the Valentine's Day is typically the 14th of February. Anyway, as a pastor, God has stirred in my heart. Um, Valentine's Day, uh, what do we do on Valentine's Day? Valentine's Day is about love, and I feel like God's got a place when it comes to love. Um, you know, we celebrate romance, but I really feel compelled that God has a place in what we're celebrating. So honestly, I'm going to read a verse. We read it last week. Uh, Ephesians chapter four. Today is a day where I feel like as a pastor, I'm doing this verse. This is my goal as a pastor. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors. That's what I am. The teachers to equip his people for works of service. What's my job? Huh? To equip who? His people. That's all of us, right? For what? So that the body of Christ may be built up. Like today is a day where I feel like that's what I do as practically as I possibly can. Physically, I, 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 I intend to equip you to do works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up until we reach all unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the, full, uh, to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Like, today is a day where I feel like I get to do what God has called me to do, like, as transparently, as, 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 as clearly as I possibly can. Equip His people. For works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up. I look forward to it uh, in the season we're in, in the series we've been on. Uh, we've been looking at this, these three words that God gave, uh, that Jesus spoke to John the Baptist, actually, uh, that I believe God has placed on my heart. His desire for us is that he would fulfill all righteousness. Just to get us all on the same page, what do those words mean? We looked at the word fulfill. Fulfill means to accomplish, to satisfy. It means the due season. It means that right season when things were supposed to be brought about. It also means the idea of stretching us to capacity and leveling up if we need to look at it. All righteousness. We talked about righteousness a few weeks ago. Ultimately, righteousness with a capital R starts with what? 
Sin came into this world through Adam, but redemption came into this world through Jesus Christ. If we can get that understanding for ourselves that all of us, uh, uh, through the sin of one man, we were all destined to die. We were all under the law of sin and death. But through Jesus Christ came redemption, came salvation, that now uh, we can place ourselves under that authority, under that law. That's righteousness in and of itself. I'm no longer uh, a, a slave to sin. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer under the authority of sin in my life. I'm under the authority of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ. That's righteousness with a capital R. But last week, we looked at some of the ways in which we experience righteousness, or it's, it's experienced in us. The, 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 the easiest definition for righteousness is right standing. And so I used a simple illustration to talk about a righteous position, right? That we should be in the right position. Remember my cup? It's filled up and I don't have a tray this time. I didn't have the cup the first time and I poured water. And it didn't do anything because the cup was in the wrong position. Then I had the cup upside down and I, and I poured water on top of it and it didn't do anything. Why? Because it was in the wrong position. So we had to turn it over so it could be a cup so I could have a drink because I was thirsty. Um, there's a righteousness of position that God has for all of us that he desires for us to be living in. But the cool thing is today I'm going to take the righteous position just a step further. Question. You ever had a job? When you show up to work, there's that one person that doesn't do what they're supposed to do. Do you know what I'm saying? Don't say names out loud right now. Don't look at anybody in this room either. We're a small town. But you ever had a job where people were in the right position, but they weren't accomplishing the right purpose? How did that feel? When things were in the right position, but the right purpose wasn't being accomplished. I'm going to go back to my football analogy. Just so you know, today I'm rooting for the refs. I'm hoping they have a good game. That's what I'm rooting for today. That's what I've decided. Um, football. We talked about position and, and I'm sorry. I might still need some forgiveness in my life. Uh, football. That's where we're at. We're talking about football. We're not talking about that Super Bowl thing. Um, but we've used the, the analogy of position with players on a football team. How if, uh, if a receiver's in the wrong place when the quarterback throws the ball, they get upset. Or running back or an offensive lineman misses a block. It kind of messes things up. Well, purpose is important too, right? So let's go back to our analogy. If you don't like football, put it in some other way in your mind. Football's what works in mine. You've got a receiver who runs a pattern. And they're, uh, they, they run phenomenal patterns. Like they've they got a great break. Uh, and they always have separation from the defensive back. And every time the quarterback, he throws a perfect ball. We'll just say Tanner's our receiver right now. I throw the perfect ball to Tanner. What's his purpose? What happens when he doesn't do his purpose? It doesn't matter if he was in the right position. If he can't catch the ball, I'm not throwing it to him anymore. Because we're probably going to lose. Like, the effect of what we're doing, it's imperative not just on our position, but also on our purpose. In a workplace, people can have the right badge. They can be in the right uniform. They can be at the right cash register. But if they refuse to check people out, what good are they for Walmart? Right? Don't go there this morning and say that. If that's in your heart, i got a rose for you today. So take to Walmart... 
and to give to that one. Today I want to look at the, the reality of a righteous position or purpose that we have in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, those verses that I started with when we continue in them. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as what? Each part does what? Its purpose. Paul wrote about this. This is to the church in Ephesus. We're speaking on it today. The illustration he used is a body. All the parts of my body, they're told what to do because of my brain. I don't know all the science behind it, and Ryan's not here today to teach us. Maybe Moni could substitute for him. But, but um, you know, all of it comes from the brain. The brain is what tells every part of my body what to do. So what good it is if the brain says, go catch a ball, but my fingers won't close when the ball comes. You see, that's the illustration that God has given us for the body of Christ. It's such a beautiful metaphor that he's presented. We are all part of his body. We are all part of the body of Christ. And as he orchestrated, as he put us together, we want to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. So that the whole body, as we all do what we're supposed to do, we build each other up, we accomplish what God has set us out to do. But what point is it if we're all in the right position, but we're not doing the right thing? Paul writes about that in another place. Some of you all, you just want to talk. You want to be a mouth, but you're not a mouth. Some of you want to see, you want to be a seer, but you're not an eye. Some of you want to hear, you're not a hearer, but you want to be an ear. Some of you, uh, you're just not so presentable. You're the unpresentable parts, but you're important. So we're just going to cover you up and let you do what you're supposed to do. Right? Like this is an illustration Paul has used. We're all imperative. And I love the body thing because it doesn't take much for us to know. Who's ever had a tooth problem? How well did you function when your tooth was out of order? Like, I remember when a tooth abscessed. I did nothing but take hot showers. Lots and lots of hot showers. And prayed like I've never prayed before. There was no usefulness in me because one piece of the body wasn't, wasn't functioning the way it was designed to function. And really in that, it was just like one part of the root, right? Like that wasn't functioning the way it was supposed to function. So the whole thing hurt. It's amazing the body, how important every part is. Greg's talking a little bit in Sunday school right now about our wiring. And and the reality is we all have purpose in the kingdom of God. And Greg said something this morning. Many times um, we devalue our purpose or we don't see our purpose as important because it's not what others are doing. No, God created you, right? Do we believe that? If we don't, um, we can talk about that. Um, I, I want to talk another illustration, and I'll get back to God created you in just a second for purpose. Jeremiah chapter 18. I went down to the potter's house. I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hand, so the potter formed it into another pot. Shaping it as it seemed best to him, then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I not do with you Israel as the potter does? Declares the Lord, Like clay 
in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. Uh, this is an illustration. Uh, Paul likes the body. Jeremiah is using the illustration of a potter. I actually have a cousin who does pottery for a living. If you want to look her up, she's on the internet, Bethany Rose Pottery. I'm going to use some of her pictures of things just a second. Uh, but that's what she does. She like makes plates and dishes for like five-star restaurants. It still happens today. Um, but, but what I was thinking of, uh, so I just got a couple pictures of, of stuff that my cousin made. What is this? It's a mug. Okay, I'm glad we're all on the same page. This is a, it's a tray. That's a bowl. Okay, I'm good. We're all on the same. What is this? Probably for olive oil or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's a little unique looking. What are these? Who determined what each one of these would be? My cousin did. Right? I mean, it's not real complicated stuff. She sat down at her pottery wheel and she grabbed a lump of clay and it was in her hands and she got it wet. She has some videos that you can watch her doing too where she's doing all this stuff. She literally formed it and she looked at that lump of clay and said, what? You're going to be a cup. She looked at another lump of clay and said, what? You're going to be a tray. She looked at another one and said, you're going to be something that distributes olive oil. I mean, she got to determine that. Who determined it? It's the potter. God looked at you, right? Yes, amen. You got it. Love it. Psalm, I think, Greg, you, you mentioned you read this last week. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body and all the days were, were written in your book. All the days for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God formed you. I know this was the psalmist is writing this as his testimony. His testimony is our testimony. It's applicable to us as well. God formed you in your mother's womb. What does it say about when he formed you? Not only did he form you, but he knew what your today was going to be. He knew what your yesterday was going to be. And he knows what your tomorrow was going to be. And as he was forming you, as he was putting you together in your mother's womb, he knew what your tomorrow was going to need. He knew what your today was going to require. And he forms you with a very specific purpose in mind. He's the head. The head knows who needs to be a finger and who needs to be a foot. And so as he's putting you together in your mother's womb, he's forming you with a purpose, a righteous purpose for you to fulfill in his kingdom. Jeremiah, we've heard these verses. This is what the Lord says when 70 years are completed for Babylon. I will come to you and and fulfill my good promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. You will call on me and come to me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me when you find me with all your heart or you will find me with all. Oh, my gosh. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. He's a prophet. He could have said that easier. God formed you. And fortunately, he wasn't thinking of me when he formed you. He was thinking of you. When he formed you, you know, when we start talking purpose and, and, and a righteous purpose, when we start talking about these things, 
many people begin to shrink back. Because like this idea of purpose, we've limited to those who are, who are pastors, uh, evangelists, and, and, and missionaries. And we say that I don't really have much of a purpose. Like, I'm not that important. Or we doubt what God has spoken to us. And we start to say, I don't know if I can do that. I want to read uh, some verses that are all about purpose. These are purpose verses we're coming back to in just a second. But there's two verses I want to read before I get to the ones that we always read. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. Remember that surprise the disciples? They weren't expecting him to die. They weren't expecting him to, to be crucified. And they were still wrestling with this whole resurrection thing. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. But they saw him. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some, some doubted. You know, when it comes to purpose, I think this is an imperative conversation that we have. You know, some of us are coming to this place today and all of a sudden pastors talking about purpose and we're getting real uncomfortable because we have doubt that there's really purpose in my life. Some people say, yeah, but there was purpose, but man, I was way marred. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. All that was is gone. We have doubt that God can really use us for what he wants us to do. But Jesus came to them and said, what? All authority. You see, the cure for doubt is in the head. And I'm not just talking about your head. I'm talking about the head that is Jesus Christ. When we recognize that Jesus Christ, when we recognize that God is the author and finisher, when we recognize that he's the one who knit me together in my mother's womb, that's the way we overcome the doubt for our purpose. Because when God's speaking to us in the head saying, hey, catch that ball, and we're saying, I've dropped it every time it's come, but he's saying, put your hands up and catch that ball, all of a sudden, when I let the doubt be erased because the authority is in Jesus Christ, it's not in myself. You see, that's the problem with purpose. Too often we put the authority in ourself. I, I don't think I can. I'm not comfortable with that. I failed every time I tried it. I, I, I. He says we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. He says that in our weakness, that he's made perfect. His power is made perfect in the midst of our weakness. The, the, the answer for doubt, especially when it comes to purpose, is found in the authority of Jesus Christ. If we confess, that was righteousness that we talked about a few weeks ago. If I've confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord, what does that mean? He's the authority. So when he says it, guess what happens? I do it. Even if I don't think I can. Even if I'm not ready. Even if I'm for afraid, I do it. Why? Because the authority is in Jesus Christ who is the Lord. So then he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
God gave the disciples purpose in Matthew 28 that he's still speaking to his people today. Acts chapter 1, he endues us with power to be witnesses. What are we witnesses of? We're witnesses of what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've experienced in Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to be a witness of. You know, I love this Sunday because when it comes to purpose, some purposes are real complicated. Some purposes take a lot of learning. Some purposes take a lot of things. But, but the way God has really spoken to my heart when it comes to the purpose that we get to accomplish today, it's real simple. Who's ever looked at a pipe and said, man, that pipe has a hard job? Like, really, when it came to inventions, the dude who invented the pipe wasn't really the smartest guy. Like, the guy who invented the cell phone, that dude was pretty smart. But the dude who said, hey, give me something with a hole in it so I can get water from here to there. Like, how smart was that guy? I mean, I guess he was novel. You know, sometimes when it comes to purpose, we make our purpose so complicated. But, but for myself, I feel like what God is speaking in Matthew 28, what he's speaking that we get to accomplish today, is that he just needs us to be a pipe. Like, how hard is it to be a pipe? What's a pipe got to be worried about? what they're connected to, whether they're clogged up, whether they got any holes in them, and where they're going, right? I mean, isn't that really the, the simplicity of a pipe shop? Like, am I connected to the source? Are there any clogs in me? Can the water flow through me and get to where it's supposed to be? Job is accomplished. I believe that's what God is allowing us to do today. Why do I love, why do I love the roses? Because I think it's a great opportunity for us to be a, a conduit, a pipe, a vessel of the love of God. So you guys can come forward because we're just going to have a moment and I, I want the worship team up here. Um, but, but the way this is going to work, today I, I have, I'm going to guess what survived, probably about 235 to 240 roses up here. The point of 235, 240 roses is that there are, I believe, 235, 240 people who need to hear today that God loves them. It's just that simple. Like, we don't have to make this too complicated. We don't have to make this too challenging. It's simply a a, a vessel that makes it easier for us to do what God's called us to do. Now, as a pastor, I actually had someone text us this morning, my wife did, and said, Pastor, we're not going to be there. Can you save us six roses? And I bet if I talk to my pastor friends, and I said, I'm going to have a Sunday on outreach where I ask people to share their faith, to talk about God's love. Most of them are going to say there probably won't be that many people who show up. But if I said that I had someone text me before service that said, save me six so I can be a part of this outreach. It just is something I promise you. This rose is simply a tool that helps you present the love of God to someone else. Sometimes we're scared, we're afraid. These are pink and red. Guys, we're stepping up, man. But there's something powerful when I'm a pipe. This morning, before um, we get to the roses, I want to spend the time contemplating the love of God. I want you to spend the time contemplating the love of God. You know, um, that may or may not stay in there. What good is a cup if it hasn't been filled up? 
Like it doesn't do any good when it hasn't tapped into the source. And for you this morning, you get to be a pipe or you get to be a cup, whichever one you think is more complicated or more pretty. But before you do that, I want to make sure you've tapped in to the source. Several years ago, I found several verses um, that, that I used to put together just an idea of the love of God. You know, I talked about Valentine's Day. I talked about this day. The reason why we celebrate God, I believe, on Valentine's Day is simply because love is who God is. God is love. That's in 1 John. If God is love, then we should engage him in this time. He's, he's so loving that he demonstrated his love for us when? That while we were still sinners, that while I was still screwing up, that while I was still rejecting him, that while I was still apart from this, he died for me. He loved us so much. He demonstrated it so much that, that, that he gave his son to die and as, as an atoning sacrifice, the one that is for us, so that whoever believed in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. You know, this is how he showed his love among us. This is in 1 John 4. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us, sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. His love was revealed that when I accepted that sacrifice, I became a new creation in Him. He no longer defined me by my mistakes. He no longer defined me by my failures. But He defined me by the purpose in which He created me in my mother's womb. The purpose where he ordained my days. He, he ordained them in his book. My today and my tomorrows to come. So we need to stay connected. We've got to remain in that love. He promises one who loves me will be loved by his father. This is John 14. I will love them and show myself to them. We will make our home with them. Understand, therefore, the Lord your God is indeed God. He's the faithful God. He keeps his covenant. He keeps his promises to a thousand generations. His love endures forever. There was a verse this morning that Angie read. I don't know if you heard it. She read a verse in her Bible, and I went over to her after she read it. That's why I didn't pause. And I pointed at my paper. I said, hey, Angie, is this the verse you just read? Jeremiah chapter 31. The Lord appeared to us saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with an unfailing kindness. I want to tell you this morning that God loves you so much that he wanted to make sure you heard it. He didn't want to just say it once or twice, but he wanted to speak it so you would hear it, that God loves you. How does he love you? What did he say? With an unfailing love. It's not a conditional love. It's not a love that is here or there. It's a love that is absolutely unfailing that God wants you to know. He wants you to know there's, a, there's nothing in all creation that can separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities, nothing in all the world can separate you from love that is absolutely found in Christ Jesus. It's an unfailing love. It's an unseparable love as long as we allow ourselves to remain in righteousness. 
1 John. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. See what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. See what love. This morning, I want the worship team to sing a song. I don't know what song. I want them to sing one. And I want you to see what love the Father has lavished on you. You see, that's how we get filled up. We see what love. I love it. I love this verse because it doesn't say what love the Father has demonstrated to you. It doesn't say what love the Father has kind of revealed to you. It doesn't say what love that He's shown you at times. It says, see what love the Father has lavished on you. Like, who's the dude that did Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? Somebody here has got to know the name. Guess not. Old time. They had lavish lifestyle. Like, it was crazy. They go in, they got gold toilets. God has lavished his love on you. And sometimes we just miss it. He saw you as worthy to be called a child of God. He saw you as one to be a joint heir with Jesus Christ. He saw you as one who is effective as an ambassador, is as effective as a witness of his love. He saw you as worthy to be a pipe. Praise God. See what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is who we are. That's who I am. As a child of God, he's asked me to be his messenger. As a child of God, he's asked me to be his witness. As a child of God, he's asked me to show his love. And that's what we have the opportunity to do this morning. Father, I come to you this morning. And I pray that over the next few moments, that in this room, we would recognize the love the Father has lavished upon us. God, I pray that in this room we would know your love, that we would experience your love. All said in worship that you poured out your love. God, I pray that as we reflect upon you, as we reflect upon Jesus Christ, as we reflect upon the revelation of your love in our life, God, that we would, we would be filled with the love of God so we could go, so we could be a pipe, a vessel, of your love. God, if there's anyone in this room that's never experienced your love, Lord, I pray that today they would. If there's anyone who's wrestled with purpose, Lord, they have doubt. I pray that the authority of Jesus Christ would take that doubt away, that you would use us, God, as your vessels. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to have them lead us in a song. Take a moment before you come to Roses. Um, Ask God to fill you with his love. Pray about who maybe you can take a rose to today. 
And then in just a moment, I'll have you come forward and you guys can get your roses. So as you're filled with the love of God and you're compelled by Him, I encourage you to come take some roses because there's someone who needs to know that God loves them today. There's someone who needs to know that there's a God that would use you to show His love to them today. And as, as God begins to place people on your heart, come get a rose, come get ten roses, come take as many as you want. I think there's about 24 bud bases I got. I didn't buy new ones this year. So you can grab a bud base or you can do whatever you want to do. Um, but we have a righteous purpose to show the love of God to people who need to hear it. They need to hear about the name of Jesus Christ. They need to hear about a God who loves them. And you're the one who will speak. I say the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace. And may you put yourself in a righteous position so you can accomplish the righteous purpose that God has given you. Amen? You guys can continue to play and sing. And and the altars are open for you to come get roses.